0: So we're in the second week of a three-week series on the Holy Spirit. And I know that we can spend a lot more time, in fact, we can spend months and months on what we're covering over th- in only three weeks. But I have had this leading for us to, to learn and lean in to the Lord, and I want to make it practical. And I, I hope today that, uh, that as we do this, it will be very personal to you as well. Uh, Last week, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, that it's not an it, it's not an it. He's a he, and he is the third part of the Trinity, that he, it's Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is a part of the triune God. That Jesus said in John 16 that he had to go so that the Holy Spirit could come and reside in you. And so we know today that we we are so thankful for the work of the cross in Jesus and what Jesus has done to redeem us. And that he has not left us alone. He sent us his Holy Spirit. And when John promised that, as we read it last week in John 14, that when he come, what does he do? He comforts us in a broken world when we have struggles and great trials. He teaches us what we need to know because we need that desperately. And he also convicts us because he still leads us. And so we got into that last week. This week, today, I want to talk to you about the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans, the 8th chapter, Romans 8, and you know maybe just from some history of maybe being around church or hearing the Bible, you know the first verse of Romans 8, and that is, Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and so we know that when we talk about the person of the Holy, when we think about church, so many people think, "Oh, boring!" It's like we're just, you know, it's boring, and it's all these rules and regulations. And I want to open your eyes. I want. By the power of the Holy Spirit, to you to awaken to what God is doing, and it's not boring. I I know I've told you this. I was down at the Billy Graham School of Evangelism when I was younger, and there was a Canadian pastor there, and he was talking about how much they love hockey. They love hockey. Any hockey fans here? We have any hockey people? Hey, we got some hockey people. Yeah. Anybody else? Though none go with me, still I will follow. Yes, there's just a few. That's right. Broad is the path, narrow's the gate. That's right. Now, we've got some hockey fans here. And they say, up in Canada, whenever they start stalling, it happens, you know, there's not a shot clock. You know, basketball teams do this too. They stall a little bit. But up in Canada, whenever they start stalling in, in hockey, they start this chant, boring, boring. Can you do this with me? Put your hands up and do this with me. Come on, all over, everywhere. Let's do it together. Let's do it. Boring, boring. Hey, don't get carried away with that, all right? (laughs) I don't want this to be boring. I want us to wake up to the life. In fact, that's what this passage says in Romans 8. We're going to join verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things Of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So you see this contrast. I can keep my mind stayed on the things of the flesh, or I can keep my things on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the Spirit is life. does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So this is why we put this big cross over here. Was to remind us that we where do we get our righteousness? Where do we get our relationship with Christ? Is because of what Jesus did, the Son did, He paid a ransom on the cross for us. So we are made right. So God counts faith in Jesus as righteousness. And so we are made right through the Son, Jesus. There is life. It says, "But in I'll read it again. But, in Christ, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Life. Now I want you to turn over a couple of books to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And we find out what the presence of God in our life is. It does. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Now, against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And that last line, go ahead and keep it up there. You took it off too fast now. That's what I want to talk to you about is us keeping step with God, walking with God and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. How is it that we keep step by the power of the Holy Spirit? Last week, did anybody have a God spotting at all here? That was our challenge when we left, was to be aware of what God is doing. And I wanna encourage you today that not only do we wanna be aware or look for God, but we also wanna keep in step with what he's doing. And here's what, I just wanna make it simple here today. The presence of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit in our life changes our minds. And believe our minds need to be changed. Because so many times, as this passage shares, we keep our minds on the things of the flesh. The Spirit pulls our minds to spiritual things, because so many times we're just bent on carnal things. Even as we said here today, so many of us are challenged to keep our attention on God. And so for us to keep focused on God and our minds stayed on Him, even as we gather here. But the Spirit, it pulls us into spiritual things. The carnal mind versus the spiritual mind is what we see there in verse five. And the fate of both minds, it's death if you keep your mind on the carnal mind and it's life and peace if you keep your mind on the spirit. And the reason the carnal mind dwells in death is it's bitterly set against God. And the ways of this world are bitterly set against God because there's every kind of selfish ambition and greed and every the things of this world, and we can see it all around us. We also see it in ourselves, and it cannot please God. That's what verse 8 says. I heard a pastor not too long ago, because some of you might be like, well, what is it? What is it that we're struggling with in the flesh? What is sin? Listen to me. John Piper said these words. What is sin? It is the glory of God, not honored. It is the holiness of God, not reverenced. It's the greatness of God, not admired. It's the power of God, not praised. It's the truth of God, not sought. It's the wisdom of God, not esteemed. It's the beauty of God, not treasured. It's the goodness of God, not savored. The faithfulness of God, not trusted. The commandments of God, not obeyed. The justice of God, not respected. The wrath of God, not feared. The grace of God, not cherished. The presence of God, not prized. The person of God, not loved. That is sin for us in our minds to sort of be oblivious to what the spirit of God wants to teach us. So that's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse one, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Keep in step with the spirit brothers. That's what he did, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And what he's saying there is don't fit into the world without even thinking about it. And I've said this before. I keep saying it over and over. You are not an animal at the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo that has to be led by every impulse and compulse that happens to you. You as parents, some of you are just going through life literally doing maybe what everybody else is doing without even thinking about it. And I would encourage you to awaken your mind to the Spirit of God and what your what... Uh, for us is walking with God. And I would say, especially it's hard in this generation, for us, because of social media, because we say and do things without even thinking about it, without even thinking about what we're saying. We say things to other people on a phone that we would never verbally say out loud face to face. And so it's important that our minds be aware There's an awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Here's the second thing. The Holy Spirit also changes our hearts. Now, the first is our mind. It's our intellect. You know, we're made in the image of God. We have a mind. We also have these emotions. We have these natural... It's the heart. Our heart is the seat of our passions. And I know... I get I get it at home a little bit. I don't know if you know that. I think I've shared that a little bit, but you know, I get I get I don't want to say I get made fun of at home, but kind of. A little bit. A little bit. I'm an easy target. I'm up here preaching for 30 minutes. People find things in my family, they can kind of rib me about. One of the little things I said that they, especially my 16-year-old, gives me a hard time about. And that is this little phrase that I heard a pastor say a long time ago. You can't what, like what you don't like. So Silas would come around and say, hey, Dad, you can't like what you don't like. Kind of give me a hard time about that. That's real. I'm, I'm not taking that one. All right. It's, it's true. For us in the seats of our passion, do you treasure God. Is he your highest treasure? Do you treasure him? Do you you love him? And what the Holy Spirit does where naturally we don't, we're not driven, but the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do that. It gives us the ability to change from the inside out. And he comes in and can renew not only our mind, but also the seat of passion in our hearts. Here's the truth. Churches will try to change you from the outside in. The Holy Spirit changes you from the inside out. Jesus, you come to Jesus. He accepts you the way you are. But he loves you too much to keep you the way you are. Because most of us are a red hot mess. So he sees, he sends us the Holy Spirit so that we'd be renewed from the inside. We'd be changed from the inside out. And we're not done. And we struggle. And this is why I keep talking to you and urging you every week to not give up. I'm so glad when I was in my teens and in my 20s, people of God didn't give up on me. I'm glad you guys haven't given up on me. I am undone until the day I am fully stand before the Lord and I'm glorified at that point. Today, I wanna encourage you, the presence of the Holy Spirit changes our hearts. I want, and here's what I, I heard a man say many, many years ago. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. So here's what it's going to take for us to, to be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that is the third thing is we have to change our focus. The presence of the Holy Spirit, it changes our focus. We heard it right here where our minds are sort of bent on the things of the flesh, but the Holy Spirit empowers us. Where we couldn't do it before, now, because of Jesus and his work on the cross, you are made righteous. So now, so listen to me, some of you need to really hear what I'm about to say. Whereas I was powerless before because I am not righteous enough and I gave up a long time ago and I can... All at once, I realized the truth of God. And that is that Jesus paid a price for my sin so that my sin was nailed to the cross. So I am now made right by Christ. And he sends his Holy Spirit to change the focus of my life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come changing our focus, the whole focus of our lives should be living towards a God-centered life versus me living a me-centered life. What do I like to do? When do I like to do it? What do I want to do today? What do I want to eat today? I think I want to take a nap. I think I want to do what I want to do. I think I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. All of us have a nature that is constantly, we're always thinking of me, 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 me. We like that note, man. We're just hanging on that note. Me, 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 me. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, we realize it's not about me. If I want to live a life that is inspired. Step with the Spirit. I have to change my focus from myself to the Lord. How do you live a God centered life? Now, I think the Holy Spirit, some of you are sitting here going, I don't know, I've tried this, I don't know. I am telling you, don't say, I want to call that out and say that's a lie. You can live a Spirit filled life. Jesus has promised that to you. He has promised you that he would come and he would be God's provision in your life. You can live a spirit-filled life with his presence in your life. How do you do that? Well, I'm an old school guy. So back in the 90s, I read a book that really was transformational. And as a youth pastor, I taught this to students many years ago in the 90s. And sometimes, I think sometimes the older you get in ministry, you forget some of the stuff that God poured into you. Anybody else like this? Sometimes you you think everybody else got that, you know? Well, some of you guys weren't even born in the 90s, so you have no idea about some of this. So I want to share with you something that I think is real truth. It comes from a book called Experiencing God. If you've never read this book, if you have that kind of time, I would encourage you to read this book. It's a really good book. It's good theology. And I just want to talk to you about the realities of experiencing God because there are seven realities to living a God centered life. How do we change our focus? How are we empowered in our minds and our hearts to be focused towards Christ? Well, here are the seven realities that I want to just talk to you about on how you know and experience God. The first reality is God is at work. God has been at work, he is at work, and he is always gonna be at work. In fact, if you wanna know what the Bible is all about, it's very simple. This is the whole Bible. God will have a people and he will reign in their midst. That's how it all started. That's how he, what he's done in the covenant with Jesus all through the years. That's how, if you read to the end, that's what's gonna happen. God will have a people and he will reign in their midst. God is at work even today. That's the first thing. Here's what I want each one of you here today. The second reality is God pursues a continuing love relationship that is real and personal. God pursues a love relationship with every person here that is real and personal. Now I know in this day and age, there are a lot of religions and they, even a lot of denominations that teach so many different kinds of things that God's not actively involved. I am preaching to you, trying to persuade you that every person here within the sound of my voice was created in the image of God and you might've believed a lie that said you were worthless, you were dumb, you'll never amount to anything, all that kind of stuff. That is a lie. God created you, and he wants a relationship with every person here. And he wants a relationship that's real and personal to you. God, I know that most of the writers of the New Testament just implore the body of Christ, that it's God's will that no one would perish, that all would know him. All of us were born as enemies of God. But because, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And now we become God's masterpiece because of Christ's work. God wants to have a love relationship with every person here. Here's the third thing. It's not just that. God invites you into a to become involved in his work that every person here, now some of you are sitting here and you're like, oh, now, Johnny, this is the part, that's you. Uh, Like, I've been in the family-owned business. Like, this is what I did. My dad did this, and that's what I'm doing. My dad was a steel worker. My mom worked at Terminex when I was growing up. God intervened in my life, and somebody told me about Jesus, and at just the right time, God called me as well. And he he. I began a relationship that's been real and personal. And this is for everybody. This isn't like, oh, this is the Johnny part. No, this is our part that he invites every person here, every person in your world. He wants you to be a part. He is at work, folks. He's at work. He not only wants that relationship with you, but he wants you to join him in what he's doing at Whitco High School at Columbia City High School. He wants to be a part of you. Hey, mom and dad, at your work, he wants you. He invites you to be a part of what he is doing. You're different. You're different. You're one of those people that pray. You pray for other people, even when they're not nice to you. You pray for the people that get made fun of. You do something about it. You join God. You go You go do something about it. Whenever you see something, you launch it. You're different because you, not because of who you are, because our righteousness leads us in the power of the Holy Spirit, that God invites us into what he's doing. Here's something that is a next part of this reality, and that is, that God invi- speaks to us. God speaks by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I still don't know if somebody think I've gone on Oral Roberts all at once right now. And you're all like, oh, man, he's talking. No, I'm not, I'm not. Listen, I used to tell my youth groups, man, we have got to get used to talking like this. God does speak to us. How does he speak to us? Four ways. He speaks to us through his word. His word is living and it cuts and it shows and it teaches and it rebukes and it guides his word through prayer. God speaks to us in prayer in the the power of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us in circumstances. There are circumstances in my life that I cannot explain outside of God's sovereignty and provision. Some of you are having one of those collisions right now, hearing about God, this circumstance, just us being together and hearing what God is all about is one of those places where God is speaking to you today. The fourth way is the church, and that is people. I've had so many different people in my life who have spoken into me. It's been both good and bad telling me, Johnny, uh uh-oh, uh-uh. I've had my wife on many occasions Tell me, uh, that's enough, cut that out, and I needed that. And also, people that have encouraged me and called the best out of me. God speaks to us in four ways. The Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through people, the church of the living God. And when he speaks to you, listen, when God speaks to you, there is 100% of the time a crisis. There will always be a crisis. God's invitation for you to work always leads you to a crisis of belief. And that crisis will will lead you to belief and action. Every time that God speaks to you, there are people that maybe you've been coming to church and God has been speaking to you by the power of the Holy Spirit to adjust some things in your life and calling you to walk in his spirit, and you have already dialed that out. I want to encourage you that every time you hear the word of God, when you hear God speak to you, there is always, 100% of the time, a crisis because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so it always requires faith and action. Whenever you hear from God, and whenever you make that, you have this crisis of belief and go, oh, am I gonna keep doing what I'm doing? I'm just gonna keep drinking. I'm just gonna keep doing whatever it is that's just destroying my marriage and destroying my life. Or am I gonna listen to the Spirit of God that's leading me into life? It always takes faith and I know It's hard because there's this moment, this crisis that takes both faith and action. In the nine o'clock service, we had two people get baptized. It was great. They came to a place where they heard about Jesus and they had a crisis of belief. I think this is for me. And they acted on it and they said, I'm in. And they acted on that, and then they said, I want to get baptized. You know, I think everybody here is probably a little, makes you a little nervous getting up in front of people. What's going to happen? If I get up there, am I going to slip down the stairs like Jeremy did a couple of years ago? Am I going to, am I going to cough water up? Or, you know, that kind of thing. But those folks push past any of those kinds of fears. Oh, there's going to be so many people there. They push past that. And they decided, here's the thing. You must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. You see, in America, we think, uh, we tell God what to do. Like we tell God, hey God, I'm over here doing my thing for you. And we say, come over here and bless it, Lord. Come over here and bless this. That is not the economy of God's kingdom. He is the master, we are the servant. When we hear him speak, there's a crisis of belief, and we have to make major adjustments for him and what he is doing, to join him in what he is doing. Because when you do that, and you make your adjustments to what he is doing, You come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. What did Jesus say over and over and over and over and over? You love me if you'll do what I say. He just kept saying that. He kept saying, you love me if you'll follow my commandments. Make the adjustments and when you adjust, you know and experience God. That's how we, when we change, listen, this is the difference between living a me-centered life and a God-centered life. Living a God-centered life, open for him to change my mind, open to him changing my heart. I have to change my focus of my life. What's blocking you from experiencing God? What is that? I actually want us to spend this time right here, right now. Holly, you guys can come on up if you would, please. You and Elijah. I want us to have some ministry time right now. So I want you right now to bow your head. I want you to draw a circle around yourself. I want us to close our eyes. I want us to invite the Holy Spirit in right now. And what is it, Lord, that you want to speak to us at this time? What's blocking you from living a God-centered life?